0: Welcome to the Balanced Babes podcast. I'm Kim Perez. I'm Amanda Montalvo. And we are functional nutritionists trained in a holistic, integrative approach to health and are founders of the Balanced Babe Method and Facebook group. We are on a mission to help women learn how to nourish their bodies, balance their hormones and feel good in their skin. Because we've both dealt with our own health struggles, we are passionate about helping women become more in tune with their bodies and eliminate hormonal imbalances naturally through food, lifestyle habits, mindset, and targeted supplements tailored to each woman. We believe in the importance of intention, the power of intuition, and the value of prioritizing self-care, and we're here to empower all women. Before we get started, we want to remind you that we are not your doctor, and the content shared on this podcast is for informational purposes only. Please chat with your doctor before making any changes. to know a secret? I don't wash my hair every single day and that's because I use Primally Pures Dry Shampoo. They use a combination of cowling clay and organic arrowroot powder to help absorb excess oil and then it also adds texture and volume. So I have really thin fine hair. I have like a lot of it but it's very flat. It's hard to curl and so I use this regardless of whether I haven't washed my hair or not especially if I'm curling it. I love it, they also add organic essential oils, so your hair feels clean. I can't recommend it enough, simple ingredients, but it works really well just like all their other products. You can go to PrimallyPure.com to get yours, and
1: make sure you use the code BBP to get 10% off your first order.
0: Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Balanced Babes podcast. This is Kim Perez, nutritional therapy practitioner. And with me today, I have Jess Gardner from Hold the Space Wellness and the Modern Mamas podcast. Jess is a blogger, recipe creator, and podcast host with a passion for real food, real connection, and sharing herself, flaws and all. A recovering perfectionist, she now focuses on supporting women in finding their truth, nourishing their minds and bodies intuitively, and creating joy in their lives as they navigate the motherhood transition. She pours her heart and soul into the weekly podcast she co-hosts, The Modern Mamas Podcast, which is a safe space to share her authentic experience of motherhood and where expert guests come on to educate and empower women to take charge of their health. You can find her recipes, lifestyle posts, and podcast episodes at holdthespacewellness.com, and she adores connecting with people online on Instagram Jess dot hold the space. She's also a recipe contributor for the online program, baby making and beyond a team member for the online editorial fed and fit and mentors an incredible team of amazing women through her advocacy work with beauty counter when she's not working. She loves to spend time with her husband, Tim, two kiddos bear and Camille and two great Pyrenees rescues. They are her greatest accomplishment. Welcome Jess.
1: <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. I, I feel like I, like I need to cut thing. down
0: my bio. I know I'm like what? no I love it. I love it. <laughs> also your bio like gives me like oh my
1: god we need to talk about this. We need to talk about this. <laughs> Well good. I mean the truth is I kind of have um, attention ADD and that like anything that sounds fun I'm like yes let's do it. Let's do it which we, we can talk about later in the podcast. Like yeah. it's great but sometimes give me a little bit of trouble couple. Like, oh, I have my. a full plate, but it's all amazing things.
0: <laughs> it is, and it all is, you know, all within your your passion,
1: and I love that, and it's it keeps things interesting, right? Oh my gosh, there's <laughs> never a dull moment around here.
0: No. <laughs> no, and I can't wait to dive into all of this stuff. Um, we're going to start with a couple icebreakers, so we do this in Damn the podcast. So I picked a couple that I thought were um, cool for you. Um, so amongst all of the Amazing things that you're doing. What's your favorite self care activity?
1: Ooh, that's a good one. Um, self care is kind of a foreign concept to me, um, and we can again, we'll probably dive into that a little bit too. It's something that has just become a like a need or a must for me, um, and I'm still, to be totally honest, trying to figure out how to routinely incorporate that into my life. I would say. Self care, like daily self care, is as simple as washing my face. And like, it's more like a ritual, you know? So when we think about like before, it was like, I just need to wash my face and get my face clean so that I can get ready to go and prepare myself for the day. And now it's like, I'm going to, you know, take my time, I'm going to wash my face, I'm going to do all the steps that I have, and then I'm going to put on most of the time. It's like as simple as like five minutes to put on makeup so that I feel a little bit alive because we have two kids, very active. We have two dogs that require a lot of attention as well. And so sometimes that's it. Sometimes that is self-care. Um, and I think in this season of life, it's, it is what it is. But if I truly had to say like, what is my dream? Self-care would be, I'm not really a person. I'm not really like hair and nails, getter done or <laughs> um, being If I could really like on my radar to do is carving out daily time for reading fiction. Mm. Um, I recently posted on Instagram that like, I love nonfiction. I start about 2,500 nonfiction books. I never finish them. But fiction is like kind of like this escape for me. I love the stories. I love the characters. And so that would be my daily self-care is going, I'm going to, I'm, I'm vowing here and now check in with me later. (laughs) I am going to start reading fiction daily.
0: Yes, that was one of my June intentions. And we went back and forth a little bit on this too, because you were posting about it when I was kind of thinking about it. And um, that's my, I think it's common. I don't know. I was always like crazy book, crazy book lover. Like the person that would get obsessed with a book and then be like sad when it was over. Like I miss my friends.
1: (laughs) So bad, so bad. I I was definitely that kid too. Like I would stay up. I remember like middle school, even high school when like reading yeah. wasn't cool, I guess I would be the kid like staying up until like one o'clock or two o'clock with like in my room with a book and just like, cons- like devouring it. And you're right. It's always been like after they're over. It's kind of just this like, what now, but i I miss them like i I love those characters, like and it's great when you can binge a series like Harry Potter or something, yeah um'cause you can really go deep, but like yeah, I get that way with like t v series too, oh God, yeah. like if there's not another season to jump right into, I'm like, what is life, like what do we do
0: now? <laughs> it's amazing, and I think it's like so much like of our, our modern culture too, like now shows, like, I was talking about this with my husband the other day, like, now shows are, like, you get the whole season, so you binge watch it, and you don't get that same kind of feel as you did when you, like, looked forward to something every week, and I think it's the same thing with books, like, I feel like I am highly distractible, because there's so much stimulation that, like, slowing down with a book is, is,
1: like, way harder than it used to be. Really hard, and that's why, like, everyone is always telling me, just listen to it on, like, on Audible or something, but, like, I... Can still do a bunch of things while I'm listening to some on an Audible, and I feel like for me at least, it's negating the purpose of slowing down. because I'm not really going to like go sit, put an Audible, and just like sit in my chair and listen. Nope. I'm I'm doing that so I can like wash the dishes and like make dinner. But at least the book kind of like actually forces me to sit for a 100%. little bit.
0: A hundred percent, and that's funny because it was my second question for you. But um, curious, do you have any like? Favorite book that maybe is something you always go back to or something that like stuck out to you, whether it's fiction or nonfiction?
1: No. So, and this is something that my husband thinks is a flaw, if you ask him. <laughs> he um he's the kind of guy who's like, let's watch, um, let's watch that movie again. Like he knows all the the quotes from the movie and he's he could watch it like ten times. And I'm like, I already I already know what's going to happen. I'm not going to watch it again. Like it's not entertaining to me. And so I've always felt that way about like books and TV and movies. And like, I, I really envy the people that can watch the same thing or read books over and over and over again. But for me, it's like, I'm just not in, I'm intrigued. It's almost like the page turning, like the what's going to happen next that keeps me like, yeah. In it. So, but I will say books that I've loved, I'm trying to Think. My favorite movie is The Family Stone. I can watch that one over and over and over again. Uh, I think it's just it's like this perfect, like ensemble movie. And I want that family. Like I want to have six kids. Not really, but like <laughs> I wish magically I could have six kids and like live in Connecticut or wherever they in live. That in that beautiful house. Yeah, in the beautiful house and be the cool mom. Um, so that's my favorite movie. Favorite book? It's so hard. I can't pick. I don't know. It's what about beautiful. you? Oh, I can't pick okay that's I ask people
0: what's <laughs> your favorite book of the
1: moment
0: right I, I love historical fiction like I speaking of like characters you miss like I remember one summer and I think I was in high school or maybe college I read Gone with the Wind and that's like a seven inch thick book but I that's I just me. love I love historical fiction so anything like that um but no I don't really have a favorite I would say I come across yeah. I'll let you know
1: (laughs) please do I like historical fiction too I really like dark psychological thrillers which I was talking with Cassie who's um I work with at Fed and Fit and she does too and it's almost like I don't know addicting the the, like fear it's so silly it's like not even that you're afraid but like I don't know the weird psychological aspect like you're not really because she likes also like um murder podcasts like I am podcast and it's crazy because she's like the happiest (laughs) chipper most joyful person but like addicted to those like the 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 hard stories which I think I kind of am too so I don't know what that's about but I don't know know. maybe it's the anticipation it's like maybe so maybe Maybe so life is so so even keel for the most part I guess we just kind of seek out those like ah moments true but also I wanted to Cause you mentioned that like, you have a hard time after stories and movies and books are over. Um, I recently, and I, you probably already know this, but recently learned that that can be associated with um, a SNP, like a genetic mm-hmm. SNP it's called, um, it's COMT, C-O-M-T. Mm-hmm. And so basically you can have a slower, a fast COMT SNP, but like for people don't, um, they have a hard time releasing emotions after like an emotional experience or a book or a movie there's a little bit of a you could potentially have an issue with that snip and it's not a, like a big deal it's just learning it and learning it how, how to support that um hmm. that snip which is very interesting very and when i interesting. yeah i posted about it maybe a couple of years ago my friend ann from grass fed was like hey i have this thing and she told me all about it and so that's when i got into That's a whole nother thing, like epigenetics, um, which is fascinating, but could be something to do with that.
0: Interesting. Now I'm going to like be deep diving into that.
1: (laughs) Another thing to explore. (laughs) I know. There's so much to learn.
0: (laughs) So many things. I know. So um, I want to talk a little bit about this perfectionist thing, because I've I feel like I realized it for myself a few years back and I was like, holy crap, this has been my narrative my entire life. And like, everyone always rewarded me like, wow, you're so good at this and this and this. And it's like, no, I'm like all in my head all the time. So I love that you're like, refer to yourself as a recovering perfectionist, but um, kind of want to just talk a little bit more about like your personal story and how that played a role in, um, you know, your health journey, your motherhood journey. I know that you talked about food and exercise and things like that. so tell us a little bit more about you.
1: Yeah. Oh my gosh. How long do we have? Because we can really deep here. Um, And it's funny, I know we'll probably touch on the Enneagram too, but like a lot of self-awareness has come in my late twenties, early thirties. And the Enneagram talks about like people who are not self-aware, they're kind of asleep to their to themselves. They don't really understand why they do the things they do. Uh, they're kind of just living in their personality with no real awareness of how to grow or how to like recognize when they're stressed or in an unhealthy place. And I did def- that way for like the first 27 years of my life, I think. Um, and of course it, it stems back without like, this is not like a therapy session, but it stems back to like stuff in my childhood. I think it wasn't like I was ever told, um, you have to be perfect, or like, you have to achieve these things. In fact, it was kind of the opposite. had a really supportive mother, um, but an an absent father. Worked really, really hard, um, but wasn't one that was like, gonna give me like, good job, like, great job, like, didn't really, wasn't really available to show up to a lot of like, events or achievements or anything like that. So looking back, I think I was always trying to earn that. And so in high school, it translated into like the more achievements I could get, maybe like the more love I could get. Right. And so I was the valedictorian of my, my high school, which is not saying much, my pretty small. Um, but it, but, but it was one of those things. It was like, I definitely wasn't the smartest kid in my school. Like I had friends that were just geniuses, but I was definitely, Driven, I was very competitive, and I knew like if I did this, I just knew like I would be loved, like I would be loved by, be loved by everybody. Um, I was the same way with sports and all the extracurricular activities. I went to a really, really competitive school um, for college my freshman year, and that's when things kind of like started to viral. Mm-hmm. I think I was I was out of state. I didn't have a support system. There were some things going on in my family life that were really, really hard. And I realized I wasn't the best at this school, right? Like this school is filled with smart people that were way smarter than I was. Um, and I started to really cling to food mm-hmm. and exercise because I couldn't be the best student. Um, I was gonna control everything that I could could within my control. So I worked out for hours in the, the fitness center. I it became almost a game, like how much, how little food can I eat? How, le- how much less can I weigh? Um, and it was crazy because I'm a small-ish person. I'm kind of petite. In high school, I was athletic build. Um, and then when I went home, my first time to go home after leaving for college, one of my coaches saw me and they were like, I, I was probably, I'd probably lost 20 pounds at that point, 30 pounds, maybe. And they were like, Oh my God, you look amazing. And so that was like Mm -hmm. reinforcing like, Oh, I guess I didn't look amazing when I weighed a normal weight for my height. Um, I guess I should keep doing a good thing. Like people like me more when I'm thinner. Mm -hmm. Um, and so it just really from there in my mind, I was reinforcing it. And then externally it was getting reinforced. And it was like this fine line to where, Oh my gosh, you look great. And then it was like, what's wrong with you? Like you look too skinny. Right. Um, and so at that point it's already like, you know, this disorder had already like taken a hold of you. So it's not, you can just be like, Oh, okay. Like, I'm just going to stop doing that. Right. Um, and so just through that whole experience, I never actually got therapy for what was a very real eating disorder. Mm-hmm. Um, anorexia that later, as I was trying to like self help myself, um, morphed into like bulimia because I was like, okay, I need to eat food, but at least I can like eat some and then like, you know, throw binge on it or binge and purge that whole cycle. Um, I mean, we can go, it was, it was definitely the hardest, one of the hardest portions of my life. I mean, standing over the trash can, like eating something and then immediately like spitting it back out. Um, and I have an open book. So like this stuff doesn't really bring me shame anymore. I feel like a lot of people can connect with it. Um, because it's not something that a lot of people talk about, but I feel like it's something, it's a, it's something that a lot of people actually do go through at some point in their life as women. Um, and so that kind of, it took me about three or four years to come out of that, but I still, I left that school. I transferred to a school that was smaller where I could like excel academically. Mm -hmm. And so the food and the exercise kind of transitioned to, um, okay, now I have to get a 4.0 here at because I was a valedictorian I have to get a 4.0 I have to work all the time so I didn't really have the typical experience um I I mean I guess I say typical I in my mind you're supposed to like go out you're supposed to sleep in you're supposed to not care about your grades and for me it was the complete opposite so I did graduate undergrad with a 4.0 um but it was it was like literally like you said that that voice in your head saying like I'm not this is not good enough. Like I am not like what, what else is next? Essentially. Like I've got to keep going to winter graduate school. Um, you know, because I thought that's what I was supposed to do. Um, and actually learning to like loosen up a little bit, but you can see as I go through my life, it's always something that I can control. Right. There's usually an undertone of being healthy um, in my, I'm doing air quotes right now, um, as a way to control, um, and be perfect. So like when I left college and graduate school, was like I'm going to run a marathon and I'm going to train and then I can eat whatever I want to. Like, it's always these like underlying messages in my head that maybe other people can't see. They just look at Jess and they think, oh, she's, she's running a marathon. That's cool. She's eating so healthy. Like, I wish I could be like her. And in my mind, it's just like loop, like you got to go run if you eat this donut, like you got to go run. Like you can have the donut. Cause I felt like, oh, I'm healthy now. Like mm-hmm. I can eat this donut, but <laughs> I'm still also, yeah, I got to go run like 10 miles. <laughs> so it was this just crazy process. And I will say like for me, f- discovering faith was a huge part of it. Um, that kind of started my transformation. My husband, also I met him when I was about 27 and I was running marathons and he was like, hey, you should come to CrossFit. I was like, what's CrossFit? I don't lift weights <laughs> anymore. And so he brought me to CrossFit and um, our friends, not dating at the time. Um, and then I got addicted to that and pretty much stopped running and just did CrossFit. And I was eating like, not this is not a judgment, but like at that time I was eating like frozen waffles and like low fat maple syrup. Um, and a lot of pasta and, and things of that nature. Like I'd always had gastrointestinal issues, but like never understood why. Um, and he was, he started telling me like, I'm eating paleo. Do you want to eat paleo with me? And this is back when like paleo was just getting started. And I had no idea what it was. Again, um, started eating a little bit differently and just started kind of coming out of this fog. And I, I truly have no idea if that's, if the food and the exercise change, I'm sure that was part of it. Doing something that maybe supported my body a little bit better, supported my hormones, you know, all of those things. Um, Finding a relationship was like completely unlike anything I had ever experienced before. In the past, it was always like, I can help fix somebody. And like, I'm gonna, I got it figured out. I just need to like teach this person how to like live their best life. Mm -hmm. Um, And with my husband, it was just like, there was none of that. It's just been this very natural um, partnership from the very beginning. And so that's a long story. <laughs> there's so yeah, much, I'm just there's so much in, chat in there, though. There's so much relatability
0: in all of that. Like, there's so many light bulbs that went off in my own head. Like, I did all of those things. Well, not all. well please. And, and I I, I, mean, I, relate to all of that because I feel like my journey, you know, specifically was similar. Um, I know so many women that, that are, and I love that you're open about it because... It's crazy to me that like, as women and like as girls, like comments that people make about our bodies and the way that we eat. And like, I remember that from so many people in my life, wow, you're you're so good because you're not eating that cookie. And that like sticks with you. Mm-hmm. Just as you said, like you came home and like somebody commented, wow, you look great. And you equate that with, okay, I've been eating less, working out a lot and I'm losing weight and so now that equates to being better somehow. Mm -hmm. And it is a reinforcement, even though like deep down, we know it's maybe deep down, we know that it's not right. So I'm really curious, like, you know, besides like meeting your husband, you'd say like CrossFit, but was there something before that? Like, cause you were really deep into some disordered eating Mm -hmm. habits and exercise as well. But like, was there a light bulb that went off? Like what helped you get out of that? If you didn't, you know, you didn't seek out therapy, you kind of weren't, officially diagnosed, but like, what helped you kind of realize this is a, this is a problem?
1: You know, I think it's really, it's hard to explain. I don't know. It was just, it was a culmination of years of, of being that way and really years of being unhappy, um, in my own body and in my own mind. And one day it was just like, I can't do this anymore. Mm-hmm. I am, just it's just like if anyone's ever who has ever been through disordered eating it's a constant reel where the only thing you're thinking about is food if you're not eating it you're thinking about like the next meal um if you are like eating the meal you're thinking about like how how bad is this for me how many calories is this like what do i need to do later off it's so Nonstop, and it wears you down. And I think I just realized, and I don't even really think a lot of my close friends and family like understood or knew. Um, I just realized like I couldn't do this anymore. I wasn't living in joy. I was I was really just like sad on the inside. Um, and so I realized that not a lot of people could probably just pull themselves out of an eating disorder. Um, but I'm also extremely stubborn, so it was almost like I'm not going to let this be my truth like forever. And it's almost a challenge to myself. Um, And also kind of the way I approach my life now with anything is if I want to, if I want to get from point A to point B with a goal or, you know, something that I want to achieve, it's like, I'm just going to do the next thing every single day, the next right thing. I'm not going to think too far ahead. I'm just going to create some sort of like momentum towards that. So it was like, When I would eat something, I would literally like sit and force myself to sit there until like the need to go throw up or whatever would pass. And it was like so uncomfortable. It was so anxiety producing. But I also, it was like experimenting. I think I had read a book and it was like, um, your body wants to find a weight that it's happy at. However true that is, I haven't done most of the research on that, but it was like, just experiment, just experiment with eating and see what happens with your body. And so I did, uh, I was like, okay, I'm just going to like, see what my body wants to do here and ate what I wanted and realized like, this is okay. It was kind of like that loop of positive feedback in a different direction that I wasn't like, people weren't going to love me less. And my body wasn't going to all of a sudden like go into freak out mode um, it just helped me to get out of it. Well, kind of a long answer to a, sh- a short question. No, I think, I, I think there's
0: really no short answer to that question. Yeah. I think it is, you know, and it's a lot of your, what, you know, calm, came together for you. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm sure there was a lot of different pieces. So in terms of like food now and your relationship with food, um, you know, what are some really important things that helped get you to where you are? Because I see, you know, you talk about this, um, you know, creating a, a healthy balance and a better relationship with food. So what are some of the like main things that did help you? And something you said before um, stuck out to me when you found paleo. I know that for me and for a lot of women, um, paleo can be its own kind of rabbit hole, but it also can be really powerful in like teaching us how food affects our bodies. And sometimes I think that's important. So I'm just curious what things that, you know, you did to help improve your relationship with food.
1: Yeah, I think paleo for me was a tool um, to kind of, like you said, bring awareness to the foods that maybe weren't serving me for the first 27 years of my life. I just didn't, I mean, I, I joke with my husband all the time. Like in high school, I would like go to practice, eat a bag of Doritos, chug a soda from the, like the convenience store. And that was just life. Like, that's what we did. Nobody knew. I think and my family, weren't particularly healthy eaters, quote unquote. Uh, I was like frozen pizza and vegetables from a can. Just, there's nothing wrong with that, but that was like every single day. Um, and it was mostly just because we didn't, nobody really knew in my family, um, the concept like of like whole foods, um, fresh if you can. And so I think paleo helped me identify foods that weren't serving me. But I also, because I have this tendency to kind of attach to rules, um, diet, like any rules, dietary, you know, exercise, I really gravitate towards that. Um, you know, with my disordered eating past and everything, Paleo also became something that was um, restrictive for me to where I felt like I can't eat grains. I can't eat ever dairy. And it's different when you have like celiac or, you know, like a true allergy. I I don't have any of that. It's just more like, I don't feel that great when I eat dairy um, or gluten or whatever. And so for me, I clung to those rules again. And... There was a lot of guilt when I would go off of paleo, right? And so what truly, truly allowed me to relax was pregnancy mm-hmm. um, and motherhood. And now if you follow me on Instagram, I live in a much, I live in a gray I live in the gray when, when we're talking about food or exercise or really anything, this place that like, I don't know how to describe it, but it's just so freeing. There's no black and white rules about food or working out, um, about, and I'm getting there with other things like self care and it's all a process, but like, during pregnancy, I had a lot of like food aversions and I was like, I can only eat bagels and I, I I need Taco Bell. I, or else I'm going to throw up. I have to eat this Taco Bell. And it wasn't people like, Oh, get the healthy version, like homemade Taco Bell. No, I have to have Taco Bell. I I feel you on that. (laughs) So, and it's like, I, I felt guilty at the time, I think, but now knowing that like I just give myself so much grace during that time. And even during pregnancy, I feel like I, tr- I was learning to let go of control, but I still was very much like my mindset was very much like, how can I control this? How can I do X, Y, and Z to get the perfect outcome, to have the birth that I want? Like if I work out and do CrossFit four times a week, um, if I eat all the right foods now that I can, like if I take all the right birthing classes, if I do all the right exercises, like it's going to be perfect. Cause that's, just what's going to happen. Cause that's what my life has been like. Um, and my, my first birth um, was not perfect by any means. I have a whole, we have a whole episode about my birth story um, with Bear and it was life-changing. It truly is the catalyst to who I am now um because I still was that perfectionist I wanted the perfect birth I wanted the perfect experience the perfect baby like all of it um, and I thought I could get it and it kind of like shook me and slapped me in the face and told me that like you can do all the things but like you will not be able to control another human being <laughs> especially um and it, it was it's hard to describe so like bear was you I labor it. and I I I always hesitate sharing my story because I don't want to like scare people, but it's just my story. Um, there's and I have a, a wonderfully redemptive second birth story as well. <laughs> but like for the first go round, um it just shook me. And postpartum, I had postpartum anxiety and, and depression again, undiagnosed because I'm still in this like struggle with myself. Like I don't need anybody and I wanna control this myself. I don't want to tell anybody that I feel unhappy like I have this beautiful child and I'm okay. Everything everything, everything, needs to be perfect. Yeah. everything needs to be perfect. I need people to think that like I have my shit together. Can I cuss on this podcast? Absolutely. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I need everyone to think that I have my shit together. Um and I think the only person that really knew that I was struggling was my husband. Mm-hmm. Um and again that was another thing I do not advise this and if it had happened again on during my second uh postpartum experience or Any subsequent ones, I would immediately seek help, but I just white knuckled my way through pretty much the first two years of motherhood. Um, And that's how long I really felt out of control, um, which was really hard for me, but also like this huge teaching experience for me because I learned that not everything's gonna fall apart when I don't have it together. Even if I looked like I had it together from the outside, I, I definitely didn't have it together on the inside. Um, and Bear was very colicky. He had acid reflux. He was, uh, I say, he's very spirited. That's the term that I like to use to describe him. Because I feel like everything else is negative. And I now see, he's almost six. And I see like the wonderfully positive sides of him being this like strong personality. Um, so that's, the motherhood transition is really what allowed me to lose loosen my grip. Um, it's been constant daily work since then. Uh, once I realized what had happened, once I really dealt with the trauma of, of my first preg- my first delivery, um, that first two years of motherhood, um, it allowed me to embrace my second pregnancy, um, or my second delivery. I d- we did have a miscarriage, which I'm I'm open about as well. Between kiddos. Um, And my second birth was just like amazingly redemptive because I let, I truly released control, which is incredible. It took me, I was like 31, 32 when I had Camille and it took me that long to really understand like what it felt like to release control and to work with my body, not against it, to feed it and move it how it felt like, like I felt like it was telling me. Um, Like during my second pregnancy, I walked, I just did, I walked, I didn't do CrossFit. I I ate all the foods that called to me and I did not really like feel any of that judgment or shame or anything like that. And um, it was amazing.
0: It's, I I love that because it's almost like you, you got to this point of like your whole life, like trying to control everything and then realizing that your first birth was almost this, like the big event that taught you as much as you want to control everything you can't so it's like not that you know the second delivery i feel like it's like a new a new experiment like let me try this instead <laughs> let me try to let go let me try to surrender and just the the joy and the freedom that comes with that and whether it's motherhood or pregnancy i think it's relatable as well with nutrition with exercise like women, we try to control so much about ourselves, about our bodies, about our food. And that other side is scary. Mm-hmm. Like what happens if we're not controlling it? And everybody, or most women I've worked with think that like, if we let go of control, the worst thing's going to happen, but we forget to see that there's so much freedom
1: on the other side of that. So- oh my gosh, I will never go back. I mean, it's, it's like, People used to talk about me. It's like my alter ego before I said, like before I was Stressica. I was, that was my my nickname. And I, I can never go back. I now I would say, and this is not like a, a conceited thing, but like, I really wake up most days feeling joyful and happy and excited to see what's coming. And, you know, I still have some of those, like, I like a plan. I mean, who doesn't like a plan? to some degree, but like so have learned immensely to like roll with it. Um, and I think that's also a teaching thing with motherhood because it's like, <laughs> it is, is humbling. Um, and also having, having a son was incredible. Um, and I love the, to teach him how to treat women um, and to kind of really have an impact on changing you know, half of the population and how they view women and to not repeat those cycles and to not look at a postpartum body when he has a wife or a girlfriend or whoever, a daughter who is in postpartum and be like, Ooh, like, you know, you need to get your body back in shape. Like if I ever hear those words come out of his mouth, I will, oh, <laughs> I don't know what I will do. Um, and then having Camille as a daughter, I'm just super hyper aware of the messages that we all receive, just like what you were saying, it's like all these things like get smaller, have control, do all the things, be the wife, be the mom, be the, now you need to like climb up the corporate ladder and you need to take care of your spouse, which none of those are wrong, but it's just the fact that that's like the expectation, right. Um, And the pressure for women, I feel like today, and even, and I think men struggle in that too. It's like, how do you navigate these shifting, like roles in society. Cause they're shifting for men too. It's like, now you have to be strong, but you also have to be sensitive mm-hmm. and you also have to be like sexy, wearing a baby. Um, but also like go to work, you know, <laughs> it's hard. All that to say, I don't have the answers. It's really hard
0: for no, everybody. I love talking about all of this. I'm curious because you have so many roles and like mm-hmm. you said, there's pressure, from everyone else, there's pressure that we put on ourselves. So how with everything that you're doing, like you have your hands in so many different amazing projects, you have a business, you have kids and a family, like how, what tools do you use to kind of help yourself find some sort of balance or, you know, go with those ebbs and flows of life?
1: Uh, Well, the Enneagram, I don't know if this is an appropriate time to talk about the Enneagram, but um, (laughs) so one of the things that So therapy is wonderful, I, through therapy, I highly, highly recommend therapy, which has been life-changing for me. But even then it was like, okay, I'm, I'm not in therapy daily. I'm not even in therapy weekly anymore, or like sometimes not even monthly. Um, And I really was seeking something that would help me figure out more about myself, Um, it's like, okay, I have these insights that I've learned through therapy, and I have these coping mechanisms, and I have all these things in place, but I still didn't even really understand, like, who I was, I still was looking at myself, like, oh, I'm so sensitive, like, why am I have to be so sensitive, like, just shut that off, like, or, oh, I am so, like, I, I can't handle conflict, like, why can't you just stand up for yourself, inner dialogue, like, still going through my head, Um, and so the Enneagram through the, is just this amazing tool for like self-awareness that I've never found with any other, like I'm a personality, like assessment junkie, I guess. And it's always fun to be like, Ooh, I'm an aunt. Like, that's so cool. This is who I am. This is what I do. And, or like, I'm an obliger. Like, that's just who I am. Um, and it, to me, it never really like gave me the other side of that. Like, well, what's what's next? Like, how do I work with that? Like, how do I be the best version of myself? Um, you know, cause there's still some judgment like, Oh, you're an obliger. Um, but the Enneagram to me, I finally like found out like who I was through that. Um, it became this tool for self-awareness. And so now I understand I'm a nine with an eight wing. And so I, My like biggest desire is to avoid conflict. I want harmony and peace. I want everyone to be happy and living in their truth. And I can see all sides of the argument, which is a blessing, but also a curse because it can almost be paralyzing. Um, I will go with the flow to like the the not so good degree of going with the flow because I don't want to rock the boat. And I'll, you know, if someone else is excited about something, I'm excited too. And I didn't ever really like take the time to, think about what I was excited about. Like, what does, what do I, Jessica, want? Um, I thought, you know, what I wanted was like like what somebody else wanted. Um, And so the Enneagram helped me kind of realize who I was, my strengths, my weaknesses, um, helped me to recognize when I was living in authenticity and when I was like struggling um, or when I was in times of stress. And so that tool kind of sparked this whole Like, who am I? What do I want to do? I had a full-time job with a company called Rosti, which is amazing company. I loved it. I worked there for five years, Um, started off in clinic helping people because I'm an athletic trainer um, degree. So sports medicine, rehab, things like that. Um, And then went into sales and still really felt like I wasn't, I don't know, there's more. If that makes sense. Um, and that's what kind of spurred me on to try a bunch of different things. And that's kind of where I am now. Like I have a lot of interests and I think it's part of me is it's truly that I do, I am interested in a lot of things, but part of me is still trying to figure out like what's the thing. And maybe I, I don't know, like releasing the, the expectation that there's one thing that I've set here to do um, and just enjoying the process of learning new things because I really think, now in my, I'm 35, I think I was trying to remember today, am I 35 or am I 36? Um, in my 30s, it's just been stepping into like the process over the result of things. And that's been super powerful. And that's what allows me to find balance, quote unquote, even though I think it's kind of, it's it's hard sometimes, (laughs) um, balance for the day, balance for the hour, balance for the minute. Like it's shifting like minute by minute for me sometimes, but, um, is releasing that, that outcome and knowing that like who I am and that I can pursue something. And if it's not, if it doesn't fit later, I can release it. And that is fun. Like how fun is that? If you can just look at life as like this giant experiment um, of seeing like what interests you and sharing your passion, because I think that also like the Enneagram, for example, now I'm doing a coaching certification for the Enneagram. And it's fun because like it helped me so much that now I'm like, I've got to share it. Like, I got to tell other people about this. This is life changing. Like, how do I do that? And so giving myself the freedom to pursue something like that um, and and grow is the thing. Does that make sense? It makes so much sense. Okay. I feel like I'm rambling. No, because I see
0: so many themes in, in everything that you've, you know, you've talked about now, but like everything that you preach and that your journey, like women struggle with so much of these outer expectations we have to fit in a specific box we have to be in control we have to kind of follow a plan versus when do we ever take a step back to like get to know who we really are what we really want why we're doing the things that we're doing and get down to that and realize like you don't have to fit into a box you can do 10 different things if you want and that makes you happy you can explore and you can surrender, but also know that at any point, you've got a choice to make a change. Mm -hmm. And I think, I love that the Enneagram has brought you to that place. I find that I'm just diving into it. So I don't know, like a quarter or even like a- Do you know your number? I've always, every test I take comes up as a six, but I feel like I'm always different wings. And then I'm always like, oh, you're also a three. You're all-. So it's, I don't know. You need to tell me like the best one. <laughs> also, you- and
1: this is, like, this is the thing about the Enneagram. It's not an excuse to just be like, oh, well, I'm just a six. And that's the way I am. I think a lot of people can be like, can use it as a crutch, but it's basically, and it's not like putting you in a box because there's so many ways that like a six can be, sixes. all sixes are similar at their core. But when you think about like, you know, people, like they wear different clothes, right? Like they have different styles. They wear different makeup, different hair, the wings, things like wings or subtypes, which that's kind of diving a little bit deeper or like if, depending on if you're a healthy six or healthy six, Mm -hmm. you're going to be presenting yourself, um, in way different ways. It's like that outer exterior is, is so variety. Like there's just such a variety. Um, so it really like, for me, when I figured out I was a nine, I was like, okay, I'm a nine because this is my core fear. And this is what I desire. But a lot of it didn't resonate with me. Cause I am, I'm a little bit more assertive. Um, you know, I'm a little bit more extroverted than what, like most nines would be described at. And it, w- it wasn't until I figured out my subtype and my that I was like okay this this makes sense like I have an eight wing much more assertive like I'm a social nine which is my subtype so it means that I like people like a lot more than maybe the average nine and I like to be around them and I get energy from them um, and so you could definitely be a six um, it would just be diving a little bit deeper into the nuances of a six yeah and I know? think I need to
0: figure that out for sure because I, I'm like you I love every personality test I I think it's It helps. I recommend certain ones for my clients, like, hey, just you know, just to learn a little bit more about some of your tendencies, some of your, you know, specific traits and things that you desire. I think it makes a lot of sense. So I definitely have to dive into it a lot more, and maybe you can help. Oh (laughs) my gosh, for assuming coaching. So I would love to. I love that. And how are like how do you use the Enneagram besides like getting to know yourself? Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, are there other ways that you've used it or that you you know?
1: help other women use it? Oh my gosh. Yes. So my vision for coaching. So first and foremost, just personally, yes, it's helped me, but it's helped me to relate to my husband. So in relationship with other people, it helps you to understand their motivations. And the Enneagram is like, every number has a different like color of glasses that they see the world through. So, like, I see the world through this blue lens, and it's very nine, right? And I have my own language about things, and I have my own perception about things. I think that everybody feels the same way. everyone, Everyone's con- as concerned with conflict as I am. But it's not true. If you ask a five, which is my husband, he sees everything, and, like, I'm gather all the information. It's very like unemotional, which is like a strength and a weakness sometimes. Um, and he's not afraid of conflict because he's like, this is just black and white. Like if there's no emotion to it. I'm just telling you like, that's wrong. I'm like, Ugh. like my nine on the inside is dying. Like, I don't want to be wrong. <laughs> so, and it's, it's so interesting. So it's helped me relate better with my marriage It's opened up this whole new language to talk about things without judgment. And the whole Enneagram thing, it's, people will say like, when you really truly find your number, it feels uncomfortable. It feels like, almost like you're exposed, like your inner thoughts and like that, that loop that plays in your head that you don't want anyone else to hear is out for the world to see once you be, once you're like, oh, I'm a six. And so uh, people automatically are like, oh, okay. Oh, a six. Okay. Like that's, that's what you're thinking. and I think initially early on, we can still, you know, a lot of like judgment, um, and shame around that. But as you really deep dive into the Enneagram, you realize like, there's no, this is not a, it's not, oh, you know, nines, uh, or I'm trying to think threes are competitive. Like they're just not nice people. It's not that, like it is literally no judgment. It's just stating tendencies. Right. Um, and then you learn through the Enneagram to embrace the things that, you know, make you who you are and make you unique and like make you have very unique gifts to offer to the world. So it's changed my relationships with work, with friends, with marriage, with my kids, not so much because you're not really supposed to type children until they kind of reach adolescence. Um, So not so much like knowing their numbers, which I still have suspicions about my own children um, but knowing like how I parent as a nile I don't want conflict so I'm I'm the parent where they're like they ask dad for chocolate before dinner and dad says no and they they like you know sneakily come over to me like can I have chocolate and I'm like okay sure <laughs> and so like knowing that about myself um, is knowing why I would do that is it because I want to keep the peace in my family. I want everyone to be happy, mm-hmm. but also knowing that like, that's probably not the best thing for me. <laughs> right. I need to kind of like, maybe like we, it just helps the whole dynamic. Um, and then professionally, like, you know, with my work relationships, it's been amazing more. So for me, stand like the people that I'm working with. So for example, like my bosses, quote unquote. I'm working for like Liz or Cassie knowing like She's a three, um, she's gonna be direct. This is not a personal judgment on me when she gives me feedback, which is what I am like immediately thinking like, oh my God, she hates me. I didn't do this right or whatever, knowing that like, no, she's just like telling me and she's moving on already. <laughs> like, this is not something that she's harboring. Um, and then with like, for example, Beauty Counter, I, I now have a team of over a hundred women and yeah. mentoring them has been amazing. And seeing that so many women just don't know who they are, and they don't, they don't think they have strengths, they don't think they have something to offer, they think that uh, they're kind of limiting themselves by fear, which we all have fear. All the numbers on the Enneagram have a fear of something, but it's just a little bit different for everybody. Um, and so using the Enneagram to be a better mentor to my team, really looking at everybody as an individual and being like, okay um, you know, Meg is a three. So I can be like, Hey, let's like, she's competitive. She wants a goal. Like she wants to like hustle after something. She wants to achieve it. Like we can do that. But like, you know, Chloe, who's a four is very like sensitive and emotional. And she wants to like be artistic and expressive. A goal is not going to motivate her. Um, in that same way. And so it has been game-changing for that. And that's kind of what I hope to do for other people, both the individual side of things, but really focusing on leading others and also being led and working in a team environment um, because I feel like dysfunction, a dysfunctional team essentially can really, really affect people like internally. And I don't know if that's just me being a nine, but like I've been there before. And so I think the more we can learn about each other, the better we can relate to each other and the more grace we can give each other. And that's and that's why I love the Enneagram in a nutshell. <laughs> <laughs> that's just <laughs> gonna put a little bow on that
0: one. <laughs> no, I love it. I love it. And I, I'm sure it's like helped you in in, or I'm sure you can kind of look back and see how it may have helped you You know, previously, like Mm -hmm. I think you can apply it to really everywhere. Do you find that it's helped you in terms of like your
1: nutrition journey, your motherhood, your exercise, anything like that? Yes. Oh my gosh. 100 times over. I have always. So, and this without diving deep, like you can have wings, right? And so when I was unhealthy uh, and when you're unhealthy, you could kind of go to different numbers. So I look at like the first 27 years of my life and I was very much a perfectionist. I was living in my one wing, right? Like I was, um, ones are very like, they can be rigid. Mm -hmm. Um, They're very interested in justice and black and like, like this is the right way to do things. Um, And so now like, coming out of that and kind of shifting because there's always room for growth and going back and forth between all of the, the characteristics that you are, um, that you can access essentially. Um, I know that for me, nines have a really hard time with inertia. So like our, they call them sins. I mean, that's like, it's just kind of like something that you struggle with. My, mine as a nine is sloth. And so I feel like I fought really hard against that um, in 27 years was just like go 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 do 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 um and it's sloth in the way that you're kind of like asleep to yourself like nines don't really understand what they want or what to like what to do with themselves so some of that sloth can character can kind of uh, what's the word i'm looking for externalize as like being busy like they just kind of default to like mindless busyness I felt like my twenty-seven, my first twenty-seven years I was just like just on to the next, check the thing off the list. Don't actually stop and think about why you're doing this. Like, just do it. Like, go on to the next thing. Um, and it was kind of that's one way that that sloth can can materialize in your life. Um, and now I realize that I do have a tendency to sloth. So like, I will want to if I'm. It's really easy for me to fall out of the fitness routine now, or to like not do some sort of healthy eating challenge. So, and I don't do those anymore for like, just the fact that I can, I can get into like a disordered pattern. But like, I also know that like, I have to be consistent with like daily habits or else I'll just want to sit on the couch and watch TV right. and not do anything. It's really hard for me to get going, but once I get going if I can just show up daily for myself, um, it's like, almost like I'm, I'm unstoppable um which is like you living your your healthy self. Um yeah. did I answer your question? Yeah. No, I
0: love it's just it's so much awareness and then being able to, you know, get to know yourself. I think once you know yourself and whether it's the enneagram, whether it's therapy, whether it's just like, you know, mindset work, deep deep diving, like getting to know yourself, it's like once you know you you are almost forced to live more authentically Mm -hmm. because you're like, you get to know who you are and why you do what you do. And you get to be more comfortable with that and want to share it. And then you also want to understand other
1: people and it is a spiral of sorts. Oh my gosh, so it's totally. And like the Enneagram talks about like, there's levels of health and there's like um, healthy, like, like living basically your highest self is at the top of the, that little little gradient. And then there's average where most people are, are average. They're not necessarily unhealthy for the most, like, you know, 90% of their life. They're just kind of living in this space where they're just letting their personality or what they view their personality is like dictate everything about their life. Um, And then there's unhealth obviously. And there's varying levels of that. Like it can go all the way down to like literal psychiatric like diagnoses that are aligned with enneagram numbers so like nines can like narcotize themselves so like drug addiction and addictions can be um like the worst of the worst characteristic when you're really unhealthy Um, and so i think it's just like you're saying like being aware of yourself most of us are just living in this this i just get up and i do the same thing I think about why I have feelings, and I don't think about how to maybe pull myself out of them. Um, I can say that because I was definitely there for for twenty seven years. Um, and then when you start to become more aware, it's like you can't go back there because now you're in this place where you're accessing joy and creativity and authenticity, and it feels like a flow state. Truthfully, when you're living like as you're meant to be, um, it's like everything. And it's not to say that life isn't hard, because there's always going to be challenges. But you meet it with a whole different perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's almost like universe. It's truly, is like the universe is on your side, right? Even through the the negative things, it's like that's okay. Like I can deal with this better. Like I understand why this this happened. Why this person reacted this way. I understand why I'm reacting this way, and I have tools to get me, like, over this hump. Um, so it's really, really, really interesting. And that's what I want for everybody. Like, I want everybody to be living their authentic self, as cheesy as that sounds, because I think the world is just going to be amazing
0: when we just wake up. Yeah, it's so true. Um, and I want to kind of just talk about that real quick. But for those that are like, what the hell is the Enneagram? <laughs> How do I find out what number... I am, um, do you have any like favorite resources that you could point people to, or is there what, like, are you coaching yet? Or like, how's that working?
1: Yeah, I'm not coaching yet. Um, I'm currently revamping the website. I'm thinking about doing like a mini podcast because we have the modern wellness podcast and that's like my forever home. And that's kind of like where I'm going to share my self. Um, but thinking about doing a little, um, Short snippets to teach people about the Enneagram there um, and on the new website, so that will be launching soon. Um, I'm not, I will be doing a beta coaching spots, so essentially like free or reduced coaching to kind of just see, find my flow. So that will be upcoming soon. But in terms of resources, here's what I would suggest about the Enneagram um, there's a lot of tests out there, um, and I probably took five because I just was like, I don't know, like, I don't know who I am, which by the way, is a very nine thing. If you think you're every number and you know, you don't know what you are for a long time, you might be a nine. (laughs) Um, and so I finally took the ready test. It's R H E T I. Um, it's $12, but it's worth it. I think it's the most accurate test that they have out there. Um, and then I like, there's a ton of books, but I really like, um, the Road Back to You um, by Ian Cron and Suzanne Stabile. They're like the, they're just like really big into the Enneagram world. It's a very easy read. Um, and so if you've taken multiple tests and you get like all these numbers and they're all kind of similar, what I advise to do is just really read, like, really read about those numbers. And it's usually, like I said, in the beginning, it's the one that's like, like, I don't want to be that number. I don't want to be a six or I don't want to be a five. Like, that sounds awful. Um, That's probably, that might be, that's like a warning sign that that's probably your number. Um, And really look at like the core fears and core desires of each. Because like I said, like you can be a nine and you go to, you take on the characteristics of a healthy when you are healthy. And so a nine can look a lot like a three on the outside if they're living in health. Um, but you have to go back. So you might think, oh, I'm a three. But it's not about who you are, like, right this second. It's about most of your life, like, who do you identify with? Like, what is the fear that you've identified with or the desire that you've identified with? Um, does that make sense?
0: It makes sense. And I just jotted down both of those, the test and the book. So I'll link to them in the show notes. I'm probably going to, like, go ahead and do it myself because I'm I'm that way. I took so many tests and they all come back a little bit, a little bit different. yeah. And I'm still a little confused. Like I definitely, I mean, I follow so many Enneagram accounts and like I vibe mm-hmm. with the six stuff, but there's also, I don't know, I kind of question it. So we'll say, um, I hope yeah. listening to this does it though. It's really fun.
1: Yeah. I have a friend that's a six but I'm like, you're not a six. And she's like, I really am. It's it's hard. Like other people can't really tell you what you are because it's inside. Yeah. It's like, really, what are you feeling on the inside? She's like the sarcastic. She's kind of like out we got this tough, like uh exterior and you know she's just it just doesn't really like fit the sixth picture but she, like on the inside she's like oh 100 100 so it takes some introspection i would definitely you gotta take you just yeah read about it
0: all right i'm gonna i'm gonna get the book i'm gonna take the test and I'll, okay. I'll keep <laughs> um and
1: then like lastly
0: besides the enneagram obviously that's been a huge a huge life changer for you um Any other tips you have for women who maybe don't want to take that or don't vibe with it as much, like any other tips that you have
1: for just like living more authentically and getting to know yourself? I would say, and this is something before the Enneagram when I was like coaching women who um, really struggle. So, and, and I'm just bringing up beauty counter again, because it's one of those things that like people have a lot of fears around like being that person or like, you see when they, maybe someone to me, social media feels like it's not a big deal. Like I don't mind showing my face on social media or telling people what I'm eating today or talking about my struggles. Like it's now second nature to me, but I really see that like for most people, like that's, that's very scary. And so like beauty counter was kind of the lens that just allowed me to see that like a lot of people struggle with letting themselves be vulnerable um, to other people, to criticism, to, um, you know, all of it, like be, the ways people perceive them, um, not being liked by everybody, not being liked by everybody. <laughs> I'm I am mean, going to vibe with you. Yes. It's paralyzing to a lot of people. And one of the things that I would just challenge, you know, somebody who's like, maybe this is resonating with you and you're still maybe connecting more with like stressica <laughs> past self and you're just not in your- that way. I feel that way. Um, I would, challenge yourself every day to do something that just scares you a little bit. Um, and that's different for everybody. Sometimes it's like posting, posting anything on social media, like a picture of your food and writing a caption. If that's something that you're wanting to do, but you feel scared to. I'm not saying everyone has to post on social media. Um, or if it's like you know trying a new fitness class, or if it is wearing your hair a different way, or eating a different food and seeing how it feels um, talking to a friend about something that was bothering you, um, in a mature way, because we have like, as women, like that's so hard sometimes, um, unless you're an eight and you seek that out. Um, but like, just kind of trying to grow, because I think when we are stagnant and when we're just kind of living as kind of like shrug our shoulders and be like, this is just the way it is. Um, that's when we really, lose ourselves, mm-hmm. Um, and so living, uh, living authentically is hard and it's a choice every single day. And it is a choice to like, be like what you said, like not everyone's going to vibe with me in that way. And you really have to like accept that and also work through it moment by moment because you can believe that and you can put something out into the internet or out into the world or tell a friend and it can be received poorly, even if that's mm-hmm. not what you intended. Um, but also like knowing, like working every moment by moment, because my initial reaction if someone writes me a message, that's like, hey, it bothered me when you said this or that affected me or whatever. I'm like, oh my gosh, like, I'm so sorry. Like, I didn't mean to. And I truly feel that way. But it's also like, I can apologize and I can move on. And my worth is not tied to whether they like me or not. Um, I can apologize if it, if I was truly in the wrong. Um, but I can also like be like, I'm sorry. I still feel that what I said was appropriate and I'm sorry that you feel that way, you know? Um, so yeah, I guess bottom line is just challenge yourself a little bit every day to do something that feels uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's where the growth is. That's where the growth is. And that's where you learn. You're not going to die. <laughs> like, True. It's not going to kill you to like say something to stand up for yourself or to like, you know, post something on social media that you're scared to, or, you know, do a fitness class that is outside of your comfort zone, but you really are interested in.
0: Yeah. Oh yeah. And, and I see it so much in the space of the women that I you know work with in in terms of like nutrition and whatnot. Like if what you're doing is not working for you, if you're, you know, pursuing help for a reason, or you, you want to pursue help or something like that, if something's not working for you, trying something new may work, may not work, but either way, like knowing that you took that step and you're not going to (laughs) die, Like, what's the worst that can absolutely happen? Um, and I think generally 99% of the time that's not actually going to happen. Um, so that's, that's really freeing.
1: Yeah. And my husband taught me this, I think he learned it from someone like Tim Ferriss, one of those like mindset hackers. But it's like, if you are afraid of something or you're feeling something, you ask yourself why I think three times. And usually that's what's going to get you to the root of the why. Because you'll say like, I don't want to post something on social media. Well, why? I'm afraid of what other people will say. Well, why? Because I feel like I'm not good enough. Or like once you get to that third why, it's really like, I feel like deep down inside, like I'm not, I don't have anything to offer to people. It's not that like you're truly afraid of what people are going to think of you. Well, that's tied into it. It's really like the deep, like going a little bit deeper. Yeah. feeling back uh, the layers. Yeah. Peeling back the layers. And I think initially on when I was, cause I still do deal with anxiety, but sometimes I have to go down that rabbit hole. I have to be like, I'm afraid of this. I'm anxious about because I'm afraid this and then I'm afraid this and I go all the way to the very end and I always realize the thing that I'm afraid of is really not likely to ever ever happen Um, and even if it did happen like would I be okay and usually the answer is 99% of the time it's like yeah I'll I'll be okay like it will be hard but I'll be okay you know 100% so true well, unfortunately, we're coming up to the end of our time <laughs> together, which sucks. I know. I'll I had so back. much fun. We'll be
0: back. There's so much to dive into. Oh I my think gosh! So many women can relate to all of this. I hope that you have inspired women to take the Enneagram if they haven't already, or if they have. I know some people that have taken it and they've just like, oh, that's me, and written it off. But yeah. you've you're like inspiring me to just learn more and like, you know, read and research and just not accept everything. Um, that's the magic.
1: Yeah. It's a tool. It's not a diagnosis. It's a tool for self-awareness. So, so hopefully smart. people can, can realize that. So
0: smart. And I'm so excited to see everything that you're doing with it. And when your coaching is ready, oh my gosh, it's going to be, that's really be so fun. fun. <laughs> so before we get, um, get going, anything else that we, you know, you want listeners to know um, specifically, I'm going to link to a couple of things we talked about and like where to find you, but do you have any other
1: Anything else you want to know? Want listeners to know? I think, I think my overwhelming message through the podcast and through the blog and social media and the Enneagram is that like the world needs women who are living in their like truth and their authentic self. And so like, if you don't feel like you're living that way, like, take the steps because we need, like, we need the unique thing that you have inside you. Like we need it. Like you need it to feel authentic and to feel your best and like live your best life or your highest self. Um, but the world needs it too, because without it, like if we have a whole world full of women that are just kind of asleep to their, their powers and their, you know, strengths, um, it's just a shame, right? Like it's, it's, it, it makes me really sad to think that there's all of these women living out there who aren't stepping into that power. And so my message is like, do the work, take the time, power yourself with the tools and go out there and find whatever it is that like lights you up and like do it because we need it. Yeah. Oh my God. Absolutely. <laughs> well,
0: thank you so much. Everyone who's listening, if you're not following Jess on Instagram, I will link, but she's at Jess.hold the space. Um, her Modern Mamas podcast with Laura, who um, was on a previous episode. Go listen to that. I started listening to that before I even was thinking about pregnancy, and it was already so amazingly helpful. So mom or not, I think that that's an amazing resource. I love everything that you guys are doing there. Thank you. Um, and be sure to follow our podcast, Balance Babes Podcast. Join our community on Facebook. And you can follow me personally at Root and Branch
1: Nutrition. Thank you so much, Jess this was so thank much you fun. for having me. I'll come back anytime friend.
0: Oh my God. I already have a million ideas. So we'll okay.
1: <laughs> All right. All right, right. Until next time. Bye. Bye.